you just don't know what you don't know until you start trying to do it. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a bonus episode of Honest E-Commerce. Today, I'm bringing to you the CEO and founder of Retention.com, an industry-leading Shopify e-commerce solution for increasing cart abandonment revenue. Adam Robinson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm just overjoyed to be here. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it at least two or three times before this. Now you're here. Um, For those listeners out there, you guys, you know, have definitely a little bit of clout behind you these days. But if I just woke up from a coma or I I literally live under a rock, what is retention.com and why is everybody talking about it? Well, our core technology is somewhat magical to someone who hears it for the first time. Uh, Here's why. The core technology, which has a bunch of applications, which we'll talk about, but someone can hit your website and without them filling out a form, or taking any other action, they can leave and we know who they are. And we can get a highly deliverable email address for like 40% of them. That alone, <laughs> all sorts of questions come yeah. about. Um, but I know we're going to get into it. Totally. But um, yeah, I mean, people are talking about it because uh, probably as of about six months ago, we really honed in on, we realized that bigger Shopify stores, so call it like 100, 150,000 unique web sessions per month, um, they were they all crushed it on this. Just did incredibly well. At the same time, we built a bunch of bottom of the funnel products with this core technology that were all for e-commerce and it has caught fire. You know, it's just really, uh, it, it's, a, it's a quick and light implementation and it drives ROI very quickly. That's just like that's just like music to the Shopify owner's ears, right? Like it's like tell me more, you know? Awesome. Well, you know what? Let's just get it out of the way up top. Yeah. Because I know some people are like, all right, you're getting emails, but they didn't opt in. Hold on. That's that's gotta be wrong, right, Adam? Well, it's up for you to decide whether it's wrong. It what I'm telling you is it's legal. Yep. In the US. This is not for the US. This is not uh, sorry, this is not for Europe, it's not for Canada. Our IPs are ring fenced. Every email address has a U.S. postal address. It is a U.S. only technology. Um, so, the next thing that pops into people's head is, well, what about this CCPA, CPRA stuff? I thought that was just like GDPR. There's one critical distinction between Europe and here. The U.S. has the Can Spam Act of 2003, which is opt out. That's a misunderstanding in the market. Um, Europe doesn't have that. That's a federal level law. So if California came in and made email opt-in, they would get sued under federal law. So the difference between GDPR and CCPA is CCPAs opt out, um, not opt-in. So if you really want to be careful, the same thing you had to do for GDPR, which is like cookie collection, just make sure to show that to everybody. And we can give you a couple lines to put in the descriptor of what people are accepting cookies to do. And 
they will literally be asking you. <laughs> they will be asking you to perform this to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So we got that out of the way. I know that's the number one question you get asked. I watched you speak in Austin uh, at the Triple Will uh, event that they had. And it was yeah. hilarious because uh, any questions is, is what Adam says. And he goes... First question, is it illegal? You just like answered the, answered the question yeah. before asking it, like calling on anyone. And I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, just, you know, just the, yeah, the elephant in the room. I know it's coming. How is legal? How does it work? How do, how, what do I send? Like that was like, like every single person's because like what? So like another thing that I would say, we have lots of large brands on this. Dr. Squatch, Warby Parker, you know, Blendjet, like Tonal, uh, uh, Penske Media. These people have legal departments. We've never not made it through a legal department because it's legal. Some brands have an ethical, like Nike wouldn't do this because they don't want to take, you know, they, they have so much to lose from a PR standpoint for doing things that are viewed possibly as sort of an aggressive stance on privacy. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I like front running the question. It's like, there's no way you can describe this just feels as though it is illegal when it's described. But then people very quickly understand, oh, A, that makes sense. And B, there's no way those large brands would be doing it if it were not legal. So then it's like, all right, yeah, yeah. how do I use it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that sounds amazing. Like, how do, how do I get involved? And that's why I posed the question I had specifically used, is it wrong? And you answered brilliantly, well, that's for you to decide. So this is a brand to you as an owner of a brand or, or the marketing and you take it, you make it, you, this has got to be something you guys decide on whether or not you want to do this. Right. So, and, and I want to, so, uh, I was on stage with, um, Cody Griffin who's VP marketing at Dr. Squatch at grow LA. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, what hesitations did you have? And one of the hesitations was basically like, you know, is it right or wrong? I think very closely for most people aligns with, is it within my brand's values? Mm -hmm. Right. So he's like, the way that we thought about it was basically this. He's like, we thought about the inbox of someone who would actually be receiving this. There's so much nonsense in there. And actually an unbelievable amount of intent has been reached if you're making it down the funnel of one of these websites, right? Like mm -hmm. if someone got an email 15 seconds later, after showing that amount of intent to a brand, it's probably actually a more relevant communication than 98% of the other stuff that's in their inbox. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the way they looked at it. I was like, wow, that, I hadn't even thought about that. But um, like I'm stealing that and watch it pop up on our marketing pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I, this needs to be a talk track for me. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. All right, so so let's go. Let's go back in time. I love I love kind of hearing the journey, the story. How did you end up here? What was going on? Like it, it, one, the technology sounds kind of wild. How did how did this kind of evolve? Oh man, I'll give you like 60 seconds on what I did right when I graduated college. So I'm 42. I'm kind of you know an old dog in many ways. Um, I graduated college in 2003. At that time, tech didn't really, you know, we were coming off this tech bubble um, and, and that like blew up in 99. And I grew up in Texas. And if you wanted to make money, you went and worked either for a consulting firm or an investment bank. So I, I got a job trading credit default swaps at Lehman Brothers. Like these are words that if you were around in 2008, it's like, you know, it was in the news like every day. They made a movie out of the job that I had called yeah. The Big Short. Yeah, great movie, great movie. It's crazy. So 
great job. So anyway, uh, I did that. And when I showed up in New York, I, I moved into this apartment and the guys that I moved in with started Vimeo, the video sharing website in my fucking apartment. So like I watched that blossom and I watched these guys lives and the whole time I was putting a tie on and waking up at five in the morning and going to the trading floor every day, I was like, man, like kind of like think that I want to be in tech, you know? So the crisis happened and, you know, kind of like the market that I was working in got regulated out of existence, you know, based more or less. Right. Like, yeah. um, and I was like, man, this kind of sucks. I saved up some money. I'm like, instead of, I didn't go to business school. Um, I was like, instead of going to business school, I think I'm going to like take my savings and try to start a tech startup. What does that even mean? Right? Like <laughs> the entrepreneurial culture was, it was, it, this was like 2011. So like, you know, it was definitely more robust than 10 years prior, but nothing like, you know. You didn't have like all the YC blogs. Yeah. And there, uh, there was no knowledge. I mean, yeah. as far as I could tell, there, there, there was this great blog uh, by David Scott called the SAS blog, which I learned a lot from way too late, unfortunately. Um, Jason Lemkin, Lemkin started blogging around like 2014, 2015, the Saster blog, but it was hard. And, um, you know, I just, everybody's paths different. I, I don't know how you would, you know, you just don't know what you don't know until you start trying to do it. And then I think even when you're trying, you think, you know, so much more than, you know, and then like maybe a year in you realize how fucked you are. And then <laughs> it slowly builds up over time to where like, you're, you know, so yourself, the self-confidence curve is like drops like a rock. And then like over the next 15 years, yeah, the, the Dunning Kruger effect, yeah, it slowly builds up. So, um, somehow this horrible journey of trying to transfer my, you know, to try to change everything from being a wall street guy to a tech guy ended up with me having this company that was like Clavio, like an email newsletter app. The problem was the way we got customers was, um, we, we were kind of like skimming breadcrumbs off the table from constant contact. Like we built this, an app that was like, had a, a good value proposition for like, 1% of their users, right? They're big. But anyway, got this lifestyle business up and running. And that's what I thought I wanted because I was reading like four-hour work week and like 37 signals rework. And it, to, to, to try to explain to someone before this COVID thing happened, before remote work, like nine years into being a credit default top trader and wearing a tie every day and going to a high rise in Times Square, the impossibility of let's say living in Aspen for a winter and working from there. Like this is the, like, it was, it was so far beyond a dream for me to be able to do other things besides live in Manhattan and like go back and forth on the subway and like spend all day in high rise. Um, that this is really what I thought I wanted. Um, and I got it and it was great. But like the problem with that product is, the the customers like uh, the customers were very happy. It was just impossible for me to acquire customers because the space was so competitive. Mailchimp such a dominant brand. You know, I, I, it wasn't an app for e-commerce. Even if it was, Clavio would have kicked our ass because they're they just, you know, those guys had already kind of done it before. Um, so it very quick. You know, there's only so long you can sit there with like a flat. No matter what, right? Like stasis is very unsatisfying. You need to be growing in some way as a person. And for me, you know, professional growth is very important. So, um, 
I started trying to do things that MailChimp wasn't doing to grow this email marketing business. Two years in a row, I did two huge swings. It just didn't work at all. Like, I tried to make an upmarket MailChimp, didn't work. It just, 10 people were already doing it. Like, didn't realize it. You know, I tried to take over this authorized local expert program that Constant Contact had cut. Didn't work. You know, ended up getting sued. Horrible. And then, like, sometime in the middle of all that, when it was just stuck, and I was like, very comfortable, but like slightly dissatisfied in this lifestyle business stage. Um, I had heard that this was possible. This core technology of someone hits your website and they leave and you can get an email from that person, right? Without them filling out a form. Having owned an email marketing app, I was like, if I could do that, I could literally sell that to anyone with a website on the internet. No question. Because I know that the biggest problem who doesn't want a bigger email list? Who wouldn't want emails of people on their website? Again, maybe Nike wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Everybody else in the world would, right? And then I found out it was legal. I was like, why is no one doing this? <laughs> you know? And it turns out a few people were kind of trying to do it, but they were data companies and they weren't SaaS companies and they certainly weren't, you know, uh, SMB SaaS companies. I think what you have to be as a product person to make a good user experience for SMB SaaS, it's so much better of a product than you have to be when you sell to bigger people because they don't care. They're getting value from other places. They're more sophisticated. SMB, it's literally like, if it doesn't, like there is no room for, it's like you have to direct them to doing what you want them to do with no words, just buttons and pictures or whatever. And it has to work perfectly. It has to deliver value instantly mm -hmm. or they'll cancel, right? So like, Having that training from the last product, because that the customer of that last product was like baby boomer, non e-commerce, you know, weren't making money in emails. Like it's just a very hard customer to build for. You know, it's like I was just looking at this landscape. There were like two or three companies that were data companies that were offering this product. I'm like, man, like if I could make this easy to use and like a beautiful experience and connect it to everything, I literally think everybody would use it. Like everybody, you know, below a certain point below at the time when we launched, which is three and a half years ago, I would have told you like mid market, you know, like once you've gotten to like 500 million in revenue, probably wouldn't touch it, but you know, below that, or maybe a couple hundred, um, since then I have learned that the idea is very enticing for everyone. It's actually more enticing if people need help. But the problem is it doesn't work for you if you need help. It works for you if you're crushing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and ultimately, you could sell to the people that need help, but they'll churn. And like the problem is the only way you grow a SaaS company is by having like zero churn, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this has landed us in this very narrow sliver of the Shopify universe, which is probably like 25,000 stores, which have probably somewhere between three or four million revenue and like whatever they top out at. I know there's some crazy cases like Fashion Nova or whatever, but let's say three or four million to like 50 or maybe a hundred or something like that. And, you know, we have these two products that absolutely mint money for these people. One is the basic list, list growth product, which we can implement in a super safe way that, you know, you just can't believe how well it works. It's like, this feels like it's cheating, you know? Um, and then... You know, part of what we do is try to evangelize people to set up more flows because we find most people just have a card abandonment set up. Checkout, of course, because maybe it makes you a card abandonment. And then, you know, maybe it's like 50% of people have product abandonment set up. 
get them to set that up, get them to set up price drop back in stock. And then this technology, which identifies people who hit your website who are not authenticated or logged mm-hmm. in. So they're not in, you know, for these, for, for like an abandoned cart, for instance, the big problem, the bottom of the funnel solves, which people do not know is abandoned carts only get sent to people who are logged in. Who's logged into your store? Nobody, <laughs> you know, like no one is logged into your store. Almost no one, probably 15% of people who are bailing on a cart are actually logged in, which is crazy because that flow is amazing. Like if you just look at the number, right? Like, wow, this is printing money for me. It's like, well, think about it for printing eight times as much money, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that's what our tech does. Um, and it expands it to two audiences. One is the people who are on your list, but on a different device, which is like they bought some on their desktop. They're on their, they're on their phone. We can hit them. And for those people, if you have a double opt-in cell phone number, we can hit attentive first and have them send one text, which is magic, and then go to the Clavio flow. And then the other audience is the audience of our, you know, our co-reg network, right? Like every email we have has a third-party opt-in from a publisher where they have gathered consent for these people to receive offers that are not from that site, right? So this whole world exists, the lead gen, like whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, lead gen co-reg. Um, so, you know, we have the opt-ins and we can enable you to send card abandonments to people that aren't on your list. It's, it's beautiful. Like who doesn't want that? Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a very, very interesting product. Uh, we've got a few clients that are looking into it right now and it is just your guys is, uh, some of your your claims are, are definitely uh, wild, right? It lets it like they're they're bordering on too good to be true. So so I want to qualify. Yeah, I want I want to qualify the claims. So the way our pricing works, yeah, is we have an unlimited deal that's five k a month. The way that all of this tech works is the bigger you are, the more and the more money you're already making, it just gets amplified by Mm -hmm. a sort of constant percentage, right? So an easy way to think about it is, can I share a screen on this? You can. And the people that are listening will now have to go and watch the YouTube video to see what you are showing. Yeah. But we'll we'll talk through it out loud. We'll, We'll be very descriptive. Yeah. So like... This is one flow. This is not the top of funnel. People make most money on on top of funnel. And this is like 30 days in, right? Mm-hmm. When you plug this in, it will amplify the money you're making on your card abandonment by at least 50%, right? So it's like the conversion rate's not quite as high, but it's not atrocious. It's like maybe we're maybe the conversion rate's half or something like that. But the conversion in your abandoned card was already unbelievable compared to any other communication. Yep. So like the total cart revenue goes up and and this is like from second one, right? So these are, this is not the claim. I wanted to say the claim for Dr. Squatch is unbelievable because he's paying this fixed price in the first 90 days, you know, we make him a couple million dollars and he's not paying very much, right? Like that's not, we're not going to be able to make people a couple million dollars who were not already in the position to make you know, multiples of that during that time. For people that are listening, what we're looking at here is a, a what I'm assuming is a, a part of a deck. He's got three different examples here. The first one being diff eyewear, and this you're saying this is after 30 days. Yeah, the difference between uh, their cart abandonment 
before they implemented retention.com and after retention.com. So this first example, and they've got brand names here too. So Diff Eyewear, yeah. uh, without retention, they were doing about $50,000 in the trailing 30 days in abandoned cart revenue. And then they implemented retention.com and then they're doing 79 so $80,000 so it's a 51% lift. Yeah. Uh the next example here is cuts clothing. And and, and by the way, I just want to stop you real quick. That's one f- one out of four things that we're doing for them. This is just to to visualize the type of amplification that you'll get in every flow. So this is just the abandoned cart flow. This is just abandoned cart. Okay. These guys if you looked at the money they had made on the emails, it's like way higher. Yeah. You guys' products wild. Uh, <laughs> no, it's crazy. It's crazy. So like, so like, that's what I wanted to show you. It's like, it's like, you know, the big stores are going to like absolutely crush. If this number that without retention.com was $50, then we would probably only lift it to 75 and it wouldn't be worth anyone's time. Mm-hmm. Right. Th- this is my point in all this. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I wanted to give a visual example of the type like this is what to expect. It's going to be somewhere between 50% on every flow and a few hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. So cuts clothing was 33 without retention, 33,000. And then with retention on just the abandoned cart flow, they're up at 58,000. And uh, uh, for you know the smaller merchants out there, they've got a great example here of the abandoned cart was about 7,500 bucks. So 7.5K. And then they got it up to 32K. So that's like a wild on the percentage lift. That's a, that's a wild one. But you're seeing kind of greater gains with larger kind of audiences on some of the bigger brands. Yeah. And there you go. That's fantastic. So that actually brings up a great question. How big does my brand need to be? What's the measuring stick to where this would make sense for me? Yeah. We're honing in on it right now. How, how to actually articulate that. Um, I think minimum 50,000 US unique sessions per month. Think minimum 3 million in revenue. Yep. And then once you get to 5 and 10, it's probably going to start working very very well of revenue. Yeah. Like up to 150 sessions like 150,000 sessions we will crush it. Absolutely. And then above that, you know, you get like, like we, we, like somebody shows up with a million uniques and we're just like, oh my God, this is the best day of my life. Like they're going to, they're going to, they're, they're literally going to like be sending us like, you know, champagne and like baby gifts and stuff. Awesome. Um, so what, what's, if I'm interested in this, what's the next step? What do I do? So I would just go to retention.com, www.retention.com, book a demo and talk to one of our salespeople. If you have any questions, you can email me, adam at retention.com. I will respond. I got a LinkedIn presence. Retention Adam is my handle. I'm starting to tweet a little bit. Um, Retention Adam, also the handle. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, I would say if you're just like, this is for me, go book a demo. If you have any questions, just hit me up and let me know what they are. Awesome, Adam. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about before I let you go? I don't think so. Um, I think we covered most of all we needed to cover. Awesome. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, everybody, go check out the product. It's pretty cool and see if it's something that your brand wants to, to give a go. Rock and roll. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. 
If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io slash connect. Until next time.